The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Upps, and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week I'm joined by a freelance social commentator who lists their favourite movie as American Psycho and favourite TV show as Yellowstone. Welcome back to the show, Blake Robinson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, um... Look, it's been a slow start today, hasn't it? <laughs> the technologically inept, basically a boomer, Blake Robinson. Well, look, it's well. I'll just look. I'll just start off by saying it's ironic that we're talking about a um, David Fincher film here when my current situation with technology is very Benjamin Button. I am a young man in an old man's body. No, I'm an old man in a young man's body. Yep. Have that. I look like I should be good with the computers and your, your whatnots, but that ain't it. Turn it on. You're like, I don't know what's going on. It's broken. You're like, oh, hey, this guy's like in his 20s. He looks young and fit. Nah, I'm like 85 inside. I've got no idea how to use this computer. It's like trying to direct my nan or my mom to fix something over the phone. It's like, oh, no, please, no. Yeah, probably got a better idea than me. Anyway, we're doing it old school. So, yeah, you mentioned that this week we're breaking out the fake IDs, doing our best assassin in imitation as we review David Fincher's new Netflix film, The Killer, starring Michael Fassbender. Yep. Action film based on a graphic novel of the same name, written by Alexis Nolant and illustrated by Luke Giacomon. What did you think of this one before we dive into it? Well, first impressions was, oh, we have The Smiths. And normally... Oh, I've seen a few movies in my time, and when we um we get the Smiths playing in a movie early on, oh, it's usually all you hear throughout the movie, and that is all we <laughs> heard throughout this movie. Now, look, I don't I don't mind the Smiths; they have a lot of great songs. I don't like Morrissey, so that's a bit of a clash of interest for me. But look, we're not here to talk about the music in the film; we're not here to talk about the film. But that was my early impressions of it. Um. And I will go on record saying this, Jamie, that I didn't actually watch the trailer for this film. Sometimes I do that. I like, I've like, I've seen it. Like, I hear enough about it. I see enough about it. Like, I just see the director's name, or I see one thing about it. I'm like, yeah, well, that's enough. Like, I don't need to spoil it. And I do like going in blind sometimes. So I had no idea what this was about. So I think that was added excitement. Yeah, I think that's a benefit for this movie. Definitely, it was a bit of a slow burn. Oh, like for all of Finch's films, they're all like these tense sort of you don't know what's going to happen next sort of heart racing rides um very mysterious films um and this was no exception yeah i think all of his films it's like the last half hour is like everything happens in that that period whereas like in in the lead up it's all just like yeah trying to get to know who these people are what trying to put the puzzle pieces together and then it's like solving a puzzle you put that one piece in you're like oh i get it they're very choose your own adventure aren't they in a way um, and yeah, you mentioned the Smiths. Lots of the Smiths in this movie. Lots of, you know, it got to a like an absolutely comical point, didn't it? 
I um I was actually gonna try count how many songs there were. I think I I gave up at like six. I was like, I'm give yeah. up. <laughs> it was um it was entertaining that every time he put his headphones in on his iPod Nano, mind you, which <laughs> I thought was very cool. Very old school. Very old. Very up my alley. I, but also makes sense as an assassin because he doesn't want to be carrying around an iPhone that can be tracked everywhere. See, I didn't think of that. Uh, what phone did he have? He just had some generic over-the-counter smartphone that he smashed on the ground every time, didn't he? Yeah, he had a, a bunch of just like go into the convenience store, buy the basic cheap phone, make mm. one phone call, smash it, toss it down a drain. Burner. Like this was spl- splendidly, splutifically. I'm going to make up <laughs> some words here in the way this was written, this story. It was brilliant. Very, very John Wick-esque. Yeah, look, you're speaking to the wrong person. Oh, God. John Wick's for kids, man. It's an action movie's for kids. Yeah, because I wrote down like a description here and I said, as mentioned, the film stars Michael Fassbender in the title role of the assassin as he sets about on this adventure battling his employers, his own personal demons on an international manhunt after his latest hit goes terribly wrong. And then his employers basically go to his house to try and take him out. They attack his girlfriend, and then that sets him on this, like, right out, revenge tour, let's go kill everybody, very John Wick. So he pretty much goes against his motto, uh, don't take work home, mm-hmm. and he makes it personal. Well, they, they made it personal. They attacked his girlfriend and, like, very violently beat her. Yeah, it's quite sinister, wasn't it? But yeah, I wasn't sure. See, it wasn't clear that that was his girlfriend, was it? Yeah, I don't think they ever, I don't think they ever like, say wife or girlfriend or anything, but... For me, it was pretty obvious. She's living with him. Her brother is like, yeah, you've been really good for her. And I was like, okay, they're clearly together. See, I just thought, I just thought he was just like a guy getting paid to live there with like his partner. Anyway, very irrelevant information. But given how um, driven and motivated and emotionally charged he was to seek revenge, there was clearly a connection there. <laughs> and yeah, I like how like at the start he's talking about. Um, in his job as the assassin or the killer that is called in this movie, he just, he doesn't like ask questions. It's just very like ruthless, uh, empathy, like lacking empathy. Just it's a job. This is what I have to do. I don't ask questions. I don't like mm-hmm. dig into like researching who are these people? Why would they want to be, why would somebody want them killed? It's just like, okay, that's the person, right? Let's figure out the best way to do it. And he talks about, um, You've got the Annie Oakley jobs, which are like the long distance sniping people, or you've got the like up close personal ones where it's just like mm-hmm. proximity work, I think is what he calls it, where you like poisonings or random like car accidents or s- stuff like that, where you're like, oops, someone fell down the stairs. Yeah. Um, so essentially it's a hitman. Yeah. I don't know. I sort of, there wasn't much context of who and why, unless I've blatantly missed it of who or why he was meant to target or shoot initially then he sort of stuffed that up pretty supremely didn't Mm -hmm. he yep then he then he sort of that's when he sort of got caught up in the taking work home situation then the movie just completely forgot about the opening scene and what it was initially going to go along and he starts chasing down these other people, which I thought at some stage they'll be connected. But as it turns out, when once he finally tracked down his original target, I didn't see any connection there. No, the origi- the guy at the end is not the original target. Excuse me? The guy at the end is the guy that hired him for that first kit. It's the guy that he so the guy that he sneaks into his apartment at the 
He doesn't kill. Track back to the gym. Yeah. Yeah. He's not the original target. He he hired him to kill that first guy. Oh, because I sort of was thinking that was the guy in the apartment in Paris. No. So yeah, like what happens is he goes to kill that first guy, stuffs it up and kills the dominatrix instead. Panic sets in. He tries to bail and get out of there without getting caught, get home. But because the hit failed, the rules of the assassination crew that he works with, what happens is if... Mm -hmm. If a hit goes wrong, what automatically kicks in is they send a hitman to come and take out the hitman to cover that to cover all the tracks. Oh. And they fuck up trying to kill him by going to his house and attack his girlfriend. And then he goes, No, fuck that. You tried to kill my girlfriend. I'm gonna go track you all down and take you out and try and get back to the top of it. And he goes through and he goes to the guy that hired him, the lawyer, kills him to get all the info on okay. What was my job? Who hired me? Who did he then hire? And then he finds out, okay, so this is who hired me. This is who they hired to take me out. And he kills the dude that owns the bulldog. Then he kills the blonde woman because she was his partner. Of Tilda Swinton fame. So then once he takes them out, then he goes to the the dude at the gym. Yep. Because he's the guy that hired all of the assassins to begin with. How did I miss that? I don't know. You You were scrolling, weren't you? Was I, did I accidentally open Depop at that like crucial moment and start relentlessly scrolling? Very crucial moment. I don't know. I didn't really, fuck, I didn't really scroll too much in this film though. I don't know. I, I, cause then I was, cause the, I, then I spent the whole movie wondering how. How they were all linked. <laughs> assassination attempt in Paris is all linked. And I'm like, well, he's gone home and then I just got completely lost. But I don't like, you didn't. Honestly, I enjoyed this film thoroughly without. Without actually understanding what the fuck happened. It was like action packed, and at this, that maybe it helped me enjoy it more because I was like, "Oh, what's going to happen next?" Like I had no idea where he was going next, what he was doing next, and like I said, it, everything was just so perfectly written and planned out, and I was just thoroughly enjoyed it for what it was. Like on face value, it was sick. I loved how like meticulous he was as the the killer too. He was like that, even at like that first scene where we see him just hold up in the abandoned WeWork office and he's just like, he's got his routine, like he's got to keep mm. his pulse rate down. He's got to do his stretches and... Yeah, that's funny. That, how he wouldn't let himself shoot until he's down like 65 BPMs and he always has to listen to the Smiths. Yeah, he just always puts his music on to drown out the outside world and I was like, yeah, he's very meticulous, like puts the gun together a certain way, Oh, you gotta... puts down his like plastic sheet so that when the... The bullet comes out, you just yeah, pick so it up, no trace. pop it on, fold it all up. Yeah, and oh, I thought I thought so no DNA is left behind as well, no hairs or skin when he's yeah. sleeping. And he even like he puts the poncho on before he takes the shot so that he doesn't get any um gunshot residue on his actual clothes. So he take takes oh, the shot, pulls the poncho off, puts it on the plastic sheet, folds it all up, tosses it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, he covers his tracks really well. And then he talks about later in the movie, if you don't want a puzzle to be solved take away a few of the pieces and scatter the rest. And then he does that with like body parts. I had a few, bo- I had a few bones to pick here, right? I know it's only a movie, but, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when he threw the motorbike helmet off the bridge, is that not going to float in the real world? And it just sunk. I don't know. I, I swear that bothered me too much. When he takes his helmet off and throws it into the river. I guess if, I guess if the visor was closed, it probably would have, because there'd be nowhere for the air to escape. I need, to, I, need to, I need to test this one myself because that bothered have, me a bit. Going to go buy a motorcycle helmet, toss in the river. 
Bro, that's probably why I got so distracted and didn't realise what was going on. I was like, no, there's no way that helmet would have sunk. <laughs> I guess even if it did, didn't, like it's been pretty well washed off by the river. Yeah. He did some other cool shit. Something else that um, might be jumping ahead here when he went to kill the guy in what, Miami, mm-hmm. the pit bull, the guy that killed and assaulted his, what we've now established, his girlfriend. Uh, when he bought all that stuff from the shops, I noticed he got a 40-ounce bottle of um, like malt liquor, and then it cuts to him like sleeping during the day in his car. I was like, oh, he's bought this to uh, like just knock himself out. Like He's going to smack that and just get drunk and fall asleep so he can sleep during the day because he had the sun visor up as well. Then later on, we find out what he actually did use that bottle for. Yeah, the Molotov. Uh, the Molotov cocktail situation. So that's something else that I got way too caught up on thinking about. Yeah, I imagine the uh, the poor um, checkout chick was probably like, this guy's in for an interesting night, some mints. Yeah, like clear, clear eyes. <laughs> mints, clear eyes, a bunch of, a Ad- bunch of sleeping pills and a 40 ounce. Like, okay. And as it turns out, like none of them were for him. <laughs> no, because he uses sleeping pills to make little bickies to put the dog to sleep. Yeah, in in the mints, maybe maybe the clear eyes just to sort of help his eyes, but everything else was just for the the hit. Oh, how hectic was that's one of the better fight scenes I've seen. Hey, oh, it was bro, that was some brawl. That was a moment where I actually took a lot of notes. Hang on a second, I wrote down awesome fight scene between the killer and the owner of the dog. Yeah, bro, that was epic. And the the score in that moment. Uh, Trent Reznor had like this metallic whirring sound con- kind of almost like Transformers-esque and I was like that's really making me feel like very uneasy but it's also matching the really fast-paced oh, movement and the way it was filmed to me it looked like the camera was like overclocked like it was running faster than it was supposed to because yeah I, I picked that up too I was like they were like moving real quick but almost like jittery and I was like they look like superheroes that's what I mean. Um, well, right, they essentially were superheroes. Like, you got this scrawny, like, 80-kilo dude and this jacked-up, like, absolute machine, like, Jason Momo spec sort of dude. Punching through walls and just ripping his arm out of the wall. Bro, it was hectic. Um, and when he's, like, beating him, he's facing to the ground and just gets up and keeps going. He's like, oh, it was sick. But what you said about the um, the camera thing, I noticed that too. I was like, well, this is such a gnarly fight and it's so, like, mix, mismatched and, like, just so ridiculous and so not real. But I think that – but it was just so violent and so epic that you didn't really care. And I think that's maybe why they sped it up like that. Yeah, it made it just feel, like, hyper-realistic. Yeah, like this is so unrealistic that we're just going to make it absolutely stupid and not seem cheesy or fake. Yeah, and I think that leans into this being a graphic novel originally. Like it, mm, true. There were a lot of like moments where you'd sort of get a still shot of like a, the silhouette of the killer with the background or something like that, and I was like, that's clearly a panel from the the graphic novel. Yeah, I know what you mean there. No, no, speaking of um, like background noise in that fight, you know when he kicked him or pushed him back onto the, the leg of like that coffee table mm-hmm. and it just went cracking like straight through him. Would it go up like I thought it went like up his ass, but it like it went straight up his crutch because it looked like he's that's where he was bleeding from later on when he went into the bathroom. Yeah, I'm not hundred percent sure where it was, but it wasn't pleasant no matter where it was. It was not a pleasant sound. It was like like of of all the places to get a snapped off table leg. 
No, thank you. How did he end up doing him? Did he, he shot him, eh? Did he shoot him? End up in the end? He shot him, shot him through the door. Ah, uh, yes. And then he comes back and shoots him in the head and blood splatters all over the toilet. Yeah, then blows the house up. But I love that, like, the, the big chunky dude is like, is that the Dominican Republican? Like, he recog- recognizes, like, oh, <laughs> shit, I was supposed to kill you. Yeah, how, yeah he, he obviously knew he didn't kill him. Yeah, and I just don't think he ever expected him to come and find him. Oh, actually, this is, you know, probably the most impressive thing, back on that Dominican Republic situation, how well his process of tracking down the cab driver, how impressive was that? I think that was probably the hardest part for him where he just had to drive around and look at every taxi until he found, okay, so this is the the taxi company that matches the description. And then he went to the actual offices and like, hey, I need to get in. Did you notice how perfect, like when he parked... Guided the cab driver under the bridge, parked there, shot him. Then he walked back out. Do you notice that he parked his jeep there already previously? Then he just walked straight to his car because he got it. Then he got a, he got a cab from there into town or walk. Then got a cab back there. Then just drove off. Just every, every little fine detail was like met and looked after and thought of. And he also stole the cab driver's um Bluetooth speaker thing. Yeah, what was the go with that? Make it look like it was a robbery, not a hit. A robbery. Yeah, see, that didn't cross my mind. I was like, that's a bit weird. I thought, oh, it's got blood all over it, but that doesn't matter. because it's- Oh, I, I don't think he would have kept it. I think he probably would have just driven somewhere and fucked it off. But oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He just does such a great job yeah. of covering his tracks. Like, even when he breaks into the, well, from the outset, the, the Paris job, he makes that stuff up, packs up all his stuff, bails out of the building in a panic. Yeah, so like, quick. oh, no, I've, this, this is the first time I've ever fucked up a hit. Like, he talks in that opening monologue He's when he's narrating. He talks about having basically a perfect track record. The only thing stopping him from being batting a thousand, a hundred percent is a mob boss had a heart attack before he could kill him. That's like, that's another, another Fincher special, isn't it? The narration. Yep. Oh, we see that in what, Fight Club, obviously, Tyler Dirt and Benjamin Button. Gone Girl. Yeah, Gone Girl. So then, yeah, like he makes that stuff up. He immediately, the panic sets in like, I've never made a mistake before. I've never made a mistake before. What have I got to do? Packs everything up, like starts to get out of the building as quickly as he can. He gave off that vibe, but then everything sort of fell into place. Or was he just sticking to his original escape plan? I think he was just sticking to his escape plan, but you could see like the panic setting in because he's like... Yeah, he was like, oh, fuck. He tosses some of it in the dumpster outside. Then he tries to get onto the the moped and can't get the lock to come undone. He's like freaking out about that. Gets it done. Then he's driving along, tosses a couple of pieces of the gun down the drain, tosses more of it into the back of a, a bit a garbage truck. I don't know if this has been asking for a bit much, but um, the time that that all took, so he's obviously, he's that guy's been shot, obviously, from straight across the street. Yeah, across like a park. Do you think they could should have or could have gotten across the build, cover that building quicker and like quickly worked out where it came from? We're talking like under a minute here. I guess they could have, it was pretty quick, but like they also have to work out which building it's come from because it's not going to be the only building across the street. I know it's directly across though, but I, I thought it was, by the time he packed his shit up, got all the way downstairs, I thought he was going to get met in the staircase for sure. Then he got out the front, yeah. got his moped, and there was still no one running across to check that building. Yeah, he drives off and then the guy's on the like parkway. Yeah, oh. yeah I don't know, but just the movie. But yeah, like, so he covers his tracks in Paris, then he... Cleans up, goes to the airport, puts another gun in the bin at the airport, continues on. Has so many fake IDs in this movie. Bro, 
how cool is that when he digs in the, up in his backyard and he has that safe and he's just got all guns, passports, everything. Then he's what? He's got that and he's got the garage. Yeah, he's got a bunch of, he talks about having storage lockers in like six or seven states in the US. Fuck, so good. Yeah, then you, did someone mention to him as well, like, why don't you just, oh, the guy that he shot with the nail gun, he's like, you've got the money. Like, why don't you just, and you've got the identity, why don't you just pack up and go and live the rest of your life? Yeah, you could have, you could have just disappeared. Then we, we did see how much money he had when he cashed all his money out of the bank. He had like eight and a half million dollars or something, hey? Yep. Which is nothing sus. And then, yeah, like when he breaks into the, the taxi office, he like ties the dude up, then he goes through all the computers and their files and stuff to find mm. the specific taxi driver. But then after he finds that info, he grabs all the like money boxes and stuff. And like opens them up and tosses them out. Yeah, makes makes it look like a robbery again. Takes a bit of cash out as well, just enough to make it look like it was just a robbery and yeah. not like trying to find something. Hey, I don't know if you noticed this too, talking about covering his tracks. Did you notice at the bank when he cashed out, he had the pen he used to sign yeah. and put that in the he middle of the way anything. out too? Just like, I so love that good. you see that. The, the panic and stress is running through him, but then he's still analytical enough to be like, on the ball, bro. Can't keep this. Can't do this. Got to wipe myself down anytime I shoot someone. Like Just wide different, man. Love it. So I, I just loved like how intricate the whole movie was throughout. That's amazing. Like, this, the, the big thing for this, not only was it on face value, so entertaining and like just an absolute ride is when you look at it like that and you think about like how well this has all been put together and all thought out. It's just marvelous. Yeah. And I love that. No two kills are the same. Like you have yeah. the sniper shot, and then you have the point blank bullet in the back of the head in the taxi. Mm-hmm. Um, the the crazy fight scene with the old mate from Florida. Well, hit the Tilda Swinton character. He shot her point blank too, didn't he? Yeah, but did you see see what she had in her hand? Oi, she had the knife. She was yeah, she was gonna do the old. Knife straight down the forearm. Yeah, she was going to slash him. So I think it was like a yeah, like the first the first kill in the cab basically just looks like a robbery, and then her kill looks like someone attacked her. She tried to stab them. They shot her in the head. Like he doesn't even clean her body up. He's just like, eh, that's good enough. That's good enough cover. Yeah, it looks like an attack. You know what I was thinking though in that restaurant? I was like, oh, she might because she's obviously got a wits about her. She's a professional too, and like. They, she made it clear a few times that she knows the people at the restaurant very well. Mm-hmm. And I thought there might have been all this code and all this pre-planned like safe words and whatnot that when she bought out the whiskeys and that, like the paddle of whiskeys and offered them to him, I thought they, that might have been code for the guys in the kitchen to bring out this special one. Then she offers him these ones that are poisoned or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he's just like, nope. That crossed my mind too. But he stuck, stuck to his guns, didn't he? I'm not eating anything or drinking anything. You get me. Not a chance. Yeah, that's even smart for her by like slipping down the stairs on purpose and offering a hand. But yeah. babe, you, you, you're messing he's, with he's, a professional here. He's, he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> nah, yeah. Oh, when, yeah. When that happened with the knife, and he, I was like, oh, this guy, man, this guy. My one question, though, is he kills the, the lawyer who basically is the guy that he was his law professor and he convinced him to get into being an assassin. So he killed he killed him 
and he disposes of his body. That didn't go to plan either. No, he died quicker than he was supposed to. <laughs> quicker than, and he's like, what he's got, he had these three nails of a certain size. He'd already done the calculations for a guy that doesn't smoke. He's healthy of his age. He should have died, what? In eight minutes or something, and he died like three minutes. He's like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. We didn't get the information out of him, but thankfully the secretary gives the information. And then he kills her. Did he clean up her body or did he leave her there so that she could get her life insurance for her kids? No, he. I think he made it look like she fell down the stairs, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking he does have some empathy because she begs him like, just don't make me disappear because I, my kids need my life insurance. He was going to leave her in that bathroom like it looked like she killed herself because she had all the pills and that. Mm-hmm. I think the way that, and she was like, don't leave. If like, you're going to kill me, make it look like a little bit of dignity for my kids so they don't look like mum killed herself. And yeah, if she committed suicide, she wouldn't get life insurance. True. Yeah. So I think, yeah, he takes her back to her house to find, to get the information that he needed. And then he snaps her neck. He snaps her neck and she falls down the, the stairs. Yeah. So I think, I think he may have left her. I think he may have just left her at the bottom of the stairs. So it looks like she just tripped and fell and died. So then she gets her life insurance and her kids are fine. Yeah, I um I forgot how she actually initially fell down the stairs, but I thought that is straight away as soon as she fell down the stairs, I was like, oh, he's gonna leave it like that. So it looks like she just fell down the stairs and broke her neck. Yeah. So like throughout the movie, he's ruthless and empathetic, but then in that one moment, he's like, eh, I'll leave you there. I'll I'll actually be nice about this one. Whereas nearly everyone else he kills, they disappear. She did him a favor. <laughs> but the lawyer's never going to be found again because he's in multiple places in multiple pieces. Did it show him cutting him up though? And no, but he tosses a part, tosses some of it off the ferry in a bucket and a whole body is not going to fit in a bucket. This is what I had in my notes. There was one thing I had in my notes that I was thinking, yeah, well, I was like, what was in the paint, the paint bucket? I thought that was a bit weird. So that probably probably his head. It was either his head or his hands, I would assume. I was because I thought he was going to toss the whole bin off the ferry, hence why he went on the ferry. But then he just this sus paint can. I was like, "What the fuck's that?" Because they didn't show you him cutting him up, and they didn't really make it very clear, eh? Yeah, because that's after he says the line, um, "If you don't want a puzzle to be solved, take away some of the pieces and then scatter the rest." Uh, and I was yes. like, "Oh yeah, he's taken away some of the crucial pieces that you use to identify a body, yeah, and scattered the rest somewhere else." Yeah, so it would have been. Well, maybe head and hands in that bucket. Yeah, man, so funny on that kill. Did you? I like I watched this by myself, and I proper let out like a howling laugh, like a, just an LOL when they were in the elevator. Oh, and he's got that the garbage bin, bro, with the body in it, and that just that none the wiser office worker comes in, is like, "Hey, do you want some hand getting rid of that body?" And he's like, and the and the lady's like, Pff. and I'm like, and I was like, Pff, no. Yeah, like the one time you don't want to make that joke because it's actually true. Fuck, bro. He's like, you want some hand getting, you want a hand getting rid of that dead body? And I was like, no, that's so funny. The lady just couldn't keep it in either way. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I lost it. There was a moment in the lead up to that murder too that made me think, um, you know how you can do like director boot purchases from a bunch of like places now? Like if you buy like, Something from Bunnings, you can get it brought straight out to your car. You don't have to actually go into the store. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You thinking so he didn't use face on camera? Yeah, he does that. Smart as fuck. He, he, orders, he orders everything that you would need to dispose of a body, but never goes into the store and pays cash. Pays cash always. And I noticed he gave a bit of a tip too, and the guy came out with like an invoice. Did he maybe offer the guy to sign for it? And he just gave him a tip and said, I'm not signing, don't worry. That may have been a thing that happened. 
yeah, he was just like, he was just like, here's a hundred bucks. Just, just go away. Mm. That made me think like, mm, maybe director boot isn't as good as we all think it is. <laughs> People doing dodgy shit. Yeah. Another thing too, I know I've said a few times and I was just a movie. He got that ID card scanner reader off Amazon for like 20 bucks. Surely you can't just buy them willy nilly. Fob copiers. Fob copier. Yeah, you can. They're, they're readily available, which is really kind of fucked up when you think about it. Yeah, that's mental. That's the Benjamin Button coming out of me again. I don't know shit all about this stuff. That's why like these days they recommend if you're going to like, like you've got your credit card or something in your wallet, you should have a, a RFID blocking wallet, like a yeah blocks scanners like that. Cause yeah. Yeah, someone can just walk past you with like a square reader or something and it can, they could just yeah. like, like brush it against you. And it just goes hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucked up. Whatever happened to the world of Nokia 3310s and or just cash. And just cash, cash. Bruh, places don't even accept cash anymore. It's messed up. But yeah, like he does such a good job of covering his tracks. He just uses cash everywhere. He signs everything he has to book with an ID is a different ID. So none of these two people are in the same place. Yeah. Did you take note of some of the ID and aliases he uses? <sighs> I did. Are they Fincher film Easter eggs? Uh, no, they're all like sitcom characters. Are they? I can't. I've kind of off the top of my head. I remember what was some Louis Thompson? No, was that one? So one of the first ones he uses is Felix Unger, who's a character from The Odd Couple. Archibald Bunker from All in the Family. Oscar Madison, also from The Odd Couple. Oscar Madison. Howard Cunningham from Happy Days. This is good by you. Reuben Kincaid from The Partridge Family. Uh, Lou Grant from The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Sam Malone from Cheers. George Jefferson from The Jeffersons, uh, and Robert Hartley from The Bob Newhart Show. That's funny. I like that. Yeah, that's witty. I like that. I think what makes the character so compelling too is like you see that inner turmoil the whole time where he's like, do I need to do this? Like, how? why did I fuck this up? Like the whole time, it's like the whole thing is like, why, how did I fuck that up? I've never fucked up before. Like, Yeah, because he, start, he starts, it gets emotional for him. He starts going off track and losing... Yeah, like it becomes personal for the first time. He's like, Jesus. Yeah, and it does, it's not work anymore. But somehow he still manages to do everything correctly and... Keeps his cool. Oh, I think because it was personal when he um, was killing that uh, Pitbull, we'll call him Pitbull guy. Killing Pitbull? He went He went a bit over the top there with blowing the house up, didn't he? That was, it was personal. I think that was probably more to, more to cover his tracks too because he got fucked up in there, so he, his blood would have been in there. Yeah, but he preempted by having that cocktail out the front. And it was probably also because, like, he stakes out the place and, like, they're clearly sort of into some nefarious drug deal and shit. It also makes it just look like a drug thing. They burned his house down. True. Yeah, hundred. But I did also notice he kind of has a code, though, as well. Like, very Dexter Morgan-esque where he won't hurt the animals. Like, he doesn't kill the dog when he could have just very easily just shot the dog as well. Is that the only instance where an animal was involved? Yes. But, like, he drugs the dog intentionally because he doesn't want to obviously shoot the dog. Because, mm. like, we see him. He has a bloody silencer on his pistol. He could have just walked up to the fence and been like, Bunk. I thought that too. I thought that was a bit of a weird one, but not for a second did I think he gave a shit about the dog. Yeah, I think he just hit. I think his code is like, why kill the animal? The animal did nothing. Those things aren't, those things aren't dogs. They are. That dog chasing him down and just like, oh yeah, there's a glass door in the way. Fuck this. Boof. I was like, oh, run. 
Yeah, right. He only just got out too. Oh, actually, yeah, that's right. The dog chased him out. He's lucky it was a six-foot fence. Yeah, the dog chased him out. So essentially... Yeah, the dog would have been fine. Dog would have just been in the backyard, just been like, oh, shit. Front yard, yeah. I was thinking the dog was still asleep under the house, but no, it definitely wasn't. It chased him. I forgot about that. Kind of felt bad for the dog, though, because like he did nothing, and his owner's now dead, mm. and the dog will probably get put down because it's crazy violent. It's fucked up, hey? Those dogs are mental. Uh, the other note I had was the, the music uh, composed by Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails and Atticus Ross is a former former Golden Globe and Academy Award winner for his soundtrack for Pixar's Soul. Big difference between Soul and The Killer. Trent Reznor did Girl with the Dragon Tattoo as well, I think. Yeah, he's done a bunch of yeah movie scores these days. But that's a, like a return for Fincher, yeah. Trent Reznor's a fucking legend. And then, yeah, a bunch of The Smiths stuff. Yeah, that's pretty much everything I had down. I had a couple of things of trivia. It's the second David Fincher feature film for Netflix which is part of a four-year exclusive deal. So it's Mank, the last one. Yep, Mank in 2020, The Killer in 2023, and it's only a four-year deal, so we may not get any more. That's, see, that's interesting because that was probably my next question was I thought it was a bit a weird one, like Fincher doing like a straight-to-Netflix sort of situation with this. Yeah, well, it was a, a four-year exclusive deal, so. Yeah, I wasn't, was not aware. Well, at least he's, ma- at least he's made up for Mank. Yeah, I imagine this is the only two we'll get, though, because if it's a four-year deal, not a four-movie deal. I don't know. He has been known to dish him out back-to-back years before. Yeah, he gets on be a interesting. Has Fincher. And it's Michael Fassbender's first film in four years. Last movie he was in was X-Men Dark Phoenix in 2019. Yeah, I couldn't think what he was in, eh? Yeah, Dark, Dark Phoenix was not great. <laughs> yeah, that's not up my alleys. But other than that, we pretty much just had like Tilda Swinton, hey? Uh, yeah, the other cast members I wrote down, Michael Fassbender, Tilda Swinton, Charles Parnell played the lawyer. Uh, he was he was good in the, the small part he had. Bro, if you close your eyes, that was Samuel mm-hmm. Jackson yep. or Morgan Freeman. Which one am I thinking of? Samuel Jackson for sure. It was uncanny how similar they sounded. Alice Howard played the client. He's also in... Full Metal Jacket, Moneyball, Mank. You know what he reminded me of? What's that? Spike Lee. Huh? I mean, it's his little glasses and his little, <laughs> I don't know, just how he got about. Yeah. Sophie Charlotte as Magdala, the killer's girlfriend. So there was really, it was very like limited cast and it was very just focused on the Fassbender character. Yeah, I was going to say, what, there was like two females in the whole film. Yeah, it was, it was all a Michael Fassbender thing. And even he doesn't have all that many lines. I think the most the most he says is the narration at the start, and then a couple of line a couple of lines to the cabbie, a couple of lines to the lawyer. I don't think he says anything to Pitbull. What was his overall performance? Are we thinking? Did he? I reckon he nailed it. Yeah, I I think the physical acting was incredible. Oh, he was cut to pieces. Did you see him without a shirt? Yeah. He was fit. There was one scene there without a shirt. I was like, oh, this guy's come to play. But yeah, and just like I really got the sense of like stress from him the whole movie. Not one moment did I look at him and be like, oh, this guy's nice and calm. Like the whole time I was like, there's a million things running through his head. Like what have I got to do next? How do, how do I get to the next step? Like even even the way he gets into the lawyer's apartment or lawyer's office is pre-planned two or three days ahead of time because he sends him that registered FedEx and the lady goes, oh, do you want to pay extra and send this overnight? And he's like, no, thanks. Uh, just regular. 
Is that what it was? So that was a setup, just so he could check out how it all operates. Yeah. So he knew that a FedEx oh, guy was going to go there, which would then get him into the building, uh, and then he could see how the door opened. I didn't pick that one up. Yeah. I watched the movie twice, so I picked up a bit. Did you? Yep. I watched it Saturday on my iPad, and I watched it last night again on the big TV, because I was like, yeah, I've got to watch that again. See, yeah. The second time I would, that, I would pick shit like that up. Very, very good. Mm. I thought something we could do to add a little bit of depth to the conversation, ranking the Fincher-verse, as I like to call it, what would you say are your top five David Fincher movies? Well, I'm going I'm to be to unpack here, because... I thought, oh, top five, this would be a piece of piss. Like, I'm probably quickly. Then I like, really started to think about it. <laughs> Looked at the list. I'm like, oh, shit. I was oh, my God. Yeah, no, but there's probably a good three or four that have missed out here that could definitely have been in it. Look, mm-hmm. one and two are unanimous. I don't think anyone can argue with me for one and two, but I'm going to start five. And I don't know, I don't like jumping the gun and, you know, just grabbing the fresh, shiny new toy and putting that at the top of the pile, so to speak, or I don't know. But I'm putting The Killer as five. I really enjoyed it. I put The Killer at five as well. I really enjoyed it. I thought I'd be doing a disservice to this film, which I really enjoyed, to leave it out. But I also, I was going through the list and I was like, I want The Killer to be in my top five. But then I looked at the list and I was like, oh, fuck, it can't go any higher than five. Things have to miss out. Things have to miss out. Yeah, I know. Then it can't go higher than five because what I'm about to put in at three and four would just be utterly disrespectful to these movies to put the killer above them. And I don't know. It's a flip of a coin, these two, but I'm going drum roll for four, uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Ooh, interesting pick. I put Panic Room. I loved Panic Room. See, that's what I meant. There's four, three or four that have missed out on the top five. But this is probably the big one that it's going to give away the top two. And I don't know, this might surprise you. And this could have easily been in the top two for mine. I've spoken about it a few times already. Uh, Benjamin Bunn, Curious Case Of, is at number three. It didn't even make my top five. Oh, my God. You have no heart. I put seven. I put seven at three. See, that's another one that could have been top five, but I had to make the cut. Now, you may be wondering what I've got at one and two. You can probably guess one of them. And one of them is Fight Club, obviously, of probably top 10 greatest films of all time. Mm-hmm. Fame. Is it two or is it one? And another one in the top two is Gone Girl, which I have watched recently because it's so friggin' incredible and it's never not going to be just an absolute ride. This is going to be interesting because they're my top two as well. Oh, actually, you're kidding. So it's going to be interesting to see which one was two and which one was one. I've obviously got Fight Club number one. Ooh, controversial. Have you? Right, have you gone Gone Girl 1? Yeah. That twist, the first time I watched that movie, blew my fucking mind. Out of all the Fincher like mystery thriller movies, Gone Girl has by far has the best twist. Like what everything we just spoke about with Fincher covering his tracks, Gone Girl just does 10 times over. Mm-hmm. Like what she does running away, like how she does everything is just, I'm convinced the killer is like got an inspiration from it. I did not see that coming at all when I watched that movie. And when I saw that, I was like, what? Now I need to go back and watch, rewatch the whole movie to try and get that context. And I, I think even knowing that you don't see it coming. I, I went, so honestly, it was probably only a few weeks ago I watched Gone Girl again. Uh, it just blew my mind again, that movie. It is so freaking incredible. 
Oh no! When you think about it, you probably could put it at one if you want to bring into account Emily Rudakowski's <laughs> titties. In it. I knew I knew that'd bump it up for you. That could potentially. Maybe that's why you gave it one, but I don't know. Won't shoot the messenger. No, uh, it, it was purely based on that twist. Like, like Flight Club has an incredible twist as well. But Gone Girl is one of those movies. If I want to show someone a movie that they haven't seen before, that I have purely for their reaction on putting mm-hmm. on Gone Girl. So, so I can sit there across from them on the lounge and just keep looking over at them. In that last five minutes and be like, about to watch you lose your mind. Just seeing their minds blown, yeah. So yeah, Fight Club 1, Gone Girl 2, Benjamin Button 3, Girl with Dragon Tattoo 4, Killer 5. What did you have for 4 and 3 then? So I had Gone Girl 1, Fight Club 2, 7 at 3, Panic Room at 4, and The Killer at 5. No! That is messed up. What about where did where would you put Social Network? Yeah, maybe like six or seven. Because yeah, yeah, like the movies that missed out were all very, very good movies as well. Like Zodiac. Mm, yeah, Zodiac. Never. Curious Case of Benjamin Button, The Social Network, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and then I think the other two movies are probably easily the weakest: Mank and Alien Three. Alien, yeah, Alien Three is garbage, and Mank just Mank was hard to get through. Mank is probably one of those ones where you need to really be. And like hardcore invested in that story to be compelled by it. Yeah, that's with all black and white movies. Like you have to, it has to be full attention. Like you, because your eyes have to adjust a lot just to those colors and what's going on in front of you. You can't sort of just be in and out of it. And also got to give an honorable mention shout out for his two TV shows as well House of Cards and Mindhunter. Like Mindhunter comes up a lot for me. It's freaking incredible mm. and we need more of it but netflix says it's too expensive even david fincher said it was too expensive to make yeah look how it's made though they got a cg pretty much all of those backgrounds yeah and each movie's a freaking each episode's a movie essentially not movie quality yeah look I'm, I'm not mad about it i'm pretty stoked we got the same for one and two and put killer at five that's good yeah we had very similar lists like that shows how high the quality is of those top five movies are yeah look, i'm pretty i'm pretty happy with those two top fives Heads would have rolled if you didn't have Fight Club at least top two. Yeah, well, like you said, it's like a almost top ten movie of all time for anyone. So it's like it's top ten. It's a top ten period. Period, bro. Unless you're a female, because I don't know. I'm starting to. That's where girls don't like. Why don't girls like that movie? It is very controversial. It's too masculating. Yes, is a testosterone fueled fever dream. What a world. Get some Tyler Bird in India. So then to close out the killer conversation, what would you rate the killer out of five? Oh, I haven't even thought about this. Oh, man. So I throw these around too much. I don't know. I don't know. I, I gave it a four just because it, it is a bit slow. And yeah, I think you do need to be a Fincher fan to sort of enjoy this one. Like, All right. After everything I've said, I've put it in my top five. Oh, I don't want to do that though, but I hate giving out <laughs> fours like really nil. Nah, stuff it. Oh, man. Nah, but I've talked it up and I'm going to recommend it to people. I Look, it's a strong recommendation. Yeah, like I, I, I'm giving it a four, but it's it's on the high end of that four. Like it's, it's ordering a five as a like, watch this immediately. <laughs> All right, all right. Uh, okay, I'm giving it a four floating or sinking <laughs> helmets out of five. Two floating, two sinking helmets. But I, I proper arm and arm for about two minutes and I've given it a 3.9. Oof. But then I was like, that just contradicts everything I've, I've, I've 
recommend as soon as I was like 40 minutes into this film and I started flicking out messages to my mates who would like it. I was like, you got to watch this immediately. Then I was like, I can't go giving it a 3.9. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you like Fight Club 7 or Gone Girl, watch this. Yeah. What am I, what am I saying? It's a straight up four at the very least. I think if you like the social network or the curious case of Benjamin Button, maybe skip this one. I don't know shit about shit. Just skip it anyway. You don't deserve to watch it. It's very good. You don't like you, oh, you don't like Benjamin Button. You shouldn't be giving out this four to this. No, I should give it out a four because it's different to Benjamin Button. This one lacks emotion. Benjamin Button is all emotion. Benjamin Button's got too many or too much of the emotions. <laughs> so yeah, that I think that's a good summary of The Killer by David Fincher. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Commentary Booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow me on social media at Media and at Pario Magazine. And you can follow Blake on Twitter at Captain Crumbs with a Z. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Epps.